0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the fateful and for the fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
1: Every day I wake up and we haven't played the Leafs tonight before. It was a better day.
0: <laughs> I've been processing that, Bruce, and we're gonna end the, I'm going to ask you a surprise question on lessons learned at the okay. end of this podcast. That's the last okay, thing we I'll do. Like lessons learned. Because I've been thinking about that, I'm going to write a post on it. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about, well, something related to that. What do the Oilers need to do at this trade deadline and essentially heading into expansion? And it's a very complicated question. Um, they've got a they've got a surplus of talent both on the roster and in the pipeline on defense. They're um, shaky both at the NHL level and in the pipeline in net and forwards kind of in between that. They're kind of in the middle in terms of where they are with their their forward ranks, I would suggest. So we'll talk about Bruce. What are the Oilers needs? um, What price that might cost for the Oilers and what they might give up. And uh, I'll just start it off with a poll that I did earlier this week, Bruce. And I asked fans, And since most of my readers on Twitter are Euler fans, it was mostly Euler fans answering. We had uh, 1,800 people get back to us. What is the Euler's top priority at the coming trade deadline, which is April 12th? Is that correct?
1: Yes, Yuri's Day. What day? Yuri's Day. It's named for Yuri Gagarin. And, in fact, this year will be the 60th anniversary of uh, Yuri Gagarin's first of trip of any human into space he did one orbit around the earth on April 12, 1961.
0: And to bring that back to hockey I believe that the KHL's <laughs> championship trophy is known as the Gagarin Cup. If it I'm is
1: indeed mistaken. yeah he's a very famous dude and uh, his uh, I mean uh, what, a, what, a, what a heroic feat for all of those early cosmonauts and astronauts to get on top of one of those rockets. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, still, still takes tremendous courage to do it as far as I'm concerned. But imagine with a burgeoning technology, light that candle. That's what Alan Shepard said when he was, when they were having delays during his first, he was the first American to go up. Just light that candle.
0: It's a different breed. What is the Oilers' top priority at the coming trade deadline? Okay, so I the, four, the, the picks were a top goalie, a top attacking winger, a third line center, or, or no major trade needed. Okay, a top goalie was the first pick, 48.5% said that was the top priority. A top attacking winger, 19.8%, so 20%. Um, a third line center, 15.5%. And no major trade needed was 16.2 percent, and I actually might be in that that final camp, um,
1: so mainly half, because half solely and the other half split almost equally among the three choices. That's right.
0: So, um, where are you, Bruce? What would you say is the top need if they're going to make or what? What would you? What did you, I don't know if you took the poll, but what would you have voted?
1: Uh, I was midway between a top attacking winger and no trade needed and I think I chose a top attacking winger depending on how top was top and what the price tag was you know top I mean, six yeah I mean ideally sure but uh, it has to be the right guy and it has to be the right price so I always have my caveats you know but in that perfect world yeah great grab a top six winger and fill out that fill out that top six
0: yeah I uh, voted hmm, I can't even remember how I voted now. I probably said so because I'm I, I'm kind of heavily leading in the no major trade needed category, but I can see both you know I don't think they need a third line center. I know that um, the face off issue on the PK is is it is indeed an issue, a real issue but Kara and Gaten Haas have been playing so well. Um, and Devin Shore can fill in in a pinch, so I'm not seeing that as a as a as a major need on right. the team. And the whole thing about we we're talking about getting Sutter from Vancouver, like I mean, is he yeah. better than Kyle Turris? Are they sure he's better than Kyle T- Turris? I, I'm not sure. I, I've never seen him stand out in a game in any significant way, so uh-huh.
1: I don't like Well, that not at that him. price tag. I mean, I think he's 4.4 or something like that. They're 4.3, and he's got. Uh, I mean, it's expiring, and you might be able to get them to retain, depending on what their exact circumstances. But I'm not. I mean, Van, it depends a lot on where Vancouver is in a month. I mean, after all, last night they defeated the unbeatable Toronto May beliefs three to one. Maybe they're going to make some noise now that they finally got a couple of days yeah. off. But uh, anyway, he he might be certainly is a candidate for on the market, but. Uh, I'm not sure he's an upgrade, and I'm not sure how he make him fit under the salary cap, and I'm not sure I want to give up a whole lot for him, so to me, that's a non-starter. I'd rather stick with Kara and Haas, to tell the truth, and and, and Kyle Turris. I mean, don't forget, we, I was, I was going to remind you until you mentioned him, but he's already moved himself out of the discussion almost for 3C with his horrible start.
0: Oh, I think he has, Bruce. I have not seen anything from the player in any game yet that makes me think he's going to make a contribution. That um, you know, I would have said the same thing probably, maybe a little less definitively about Kara a month ago. So mm. could be wrong. But Kara, a Kara's a lot a half, younger, right? And,
1: um, yes. yes. I saw is half-decent in the last game against Toronto when he finally got put it back in the lineup. But I think it was more a matter of he would look closer to the rest of the Oilers because the rest of the Oilers were having a bad game <laughs> than anything he was doing to stand out. But. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I just haven't I'm seen. I'm not it. holding
0: my breath. Neither am I. So anyway, so we, we, we both agree third line center is kind of the least of the priorities. The, the no major trade needed thing, Bruce, is contingent for me. You know, you'll know more in a few weeks, two or three weeks, closer to trade deadline, on Mike Smith's play. If he can continue to play strong hockey, and we know Koskinen's had good runs, um, then you might not need a goalie. I, I think goalie is where I think they they probably have the biggest real need. Um it, it would be like Vegas last year where you wouldn't have thought they had a need with Marc-Andre Fleury, although Fleury wasn't playing that well last year. I think he was had a 9.07 save percentage on the year, if I'm not mistaken. And um, they brought in Robin Lehner, and they, right. they, they paid the price of a second-round draft pick and Malcolm Subban, and Toronto was worked into the deal to eat some of Lehner's salary. So Edmonton would have to do something different probably if they were to bring in a top goalie. And there's a couple names that have been floating out there. There's, I think, Florida's. I think his name is Chris Dreger, yeah, uh, kind of a veteran, uh, unsung goalie yeah. who's having quite a year in Florida. I don't know why they trade him. They're in, they're in first place. Like, are they?
1: Yeah, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll trade him at the deadline. And uh, he's a, but he's a, um, as I understand, a UFA at the end of the season. And, Of course, they, they've. Um, Made their bed with uh, goalie Bob, Sergey Bobrovsky, who they gave a seven year, $70 million contract. My best Danny DeVito imitation from Twins. $70 million contract for Sergey Bobrovsky. Uh, I mean, that's just a boat anchor that they can't possibly get out from under. And uh, Dreger looks to me like he could be a number one goalie in the NHL, but I th- think he'll go on the market and he'll be a hot commodity this summer. And frankly, that's when I think the Oilers should be dealing with the goalie situation. In season is a really brutal time to be trying to find a nutminder, especially with a two-week quarantine.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at the athletics list for goalies. Camper, they're saying Camper might be traded. Mm -hmm. Um, What else do we got here? What do you think about trading for a goalie, Bruce? Is that on your list even?
1: Uh, I think it's
0: definitely on my list. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. I, yeah. I hear you. Uh, during the year, uh, I I just don't think it's feasible. Um, I mean, maybe more feasible now than it was. Like in in one sense, you could say, well, the orders just brought in another NHL goalie, and Alex Stalock Now they have three, uh, but in fact, um, Stalock might facilitate uh, the orders being able to make a move. If they trade a goalie for a goalie, it's not a matter of oh, now we've only got one goalie for two weeks while the new guy clears quarantine. Uh, they could have uh, um, they could have still two NHL goalies on staff while they waited for the incomer to, tr- to clear quarantine. Uh, but I don't see it as a you know 1980 situation where they need to do something, anything to bring in you know Ron Lowe to to solve their problems. Uh, I just think they've made the bet and they're they're just going to have to live with it and then next summer make it a priority again. Hopefully I actually get something done.
0: Yeah, I, I think the chances are that we're going to see Smith continue to play well and I can always get injured and, and not suddenly play well again. But um, he's been playing well, generally speaking. Up, t- He looks really sh- super sharp and you know the uh, we were talking last time about i think how um you know where it is that he's remade his game like he's <laughs> he's, he's built his game Astonishing. from from the body from the ground up from the core up from the core of his body up and um so yeah i'm not i'm not sold that that's going to be the move they'll make it looks like i'm thinking forward bruce mm-hmm. and i think the owners have an I don't, I don't think they can give up any draft picks um, this year. They're missing, what, their second, their third, and their fifth from Ennis, Athanasiu, and Lucic trades. And Neil, yeah. Neil, yeah. Neil. So giving up a draft pick doesn't seem to be in the cards, but they've got a lot of good defensemen, both on the team and in the system. And um, if, I was, if I had to make a trade right now, I think the Oilers... it would have to be a pretty bold trade because you're going to trade a good player for another good player would would be Mm how it would work. If you're going to go down that road, you know, let's say you're going to try to get Ricard Raquel or Philip Forsberg or Taylor Hall or, or, or a player like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to have to give up a good player and would the, the player I would move would be Tyson Berry. If I'm completely honest. I don't think on the power play you'll lose much if you just slot Evan Bouchard in there right now for Tyson Berry on the power play. And at even strength, Tyson Berry is a decent player, but he's not a great player. Uh, he, he's not even a good player. He's, he's a decent player. And, and Ethan Bear, I think, who, who has been struggling a lot this year, immensely actually, I think can be as good as, as Tyson Berry at even strength. So he's the one. He's on an expiring contract. I don't think the Oilers can afford everybody going forward. And I would that would be the the move that I would make. Would be to, if I was to, to target a goalie or a forward, it would be to trade Tyson Berry for that player. So you're gonna have to look for a team that needs uh, needs someone like that. Needs a defenseman. Probably a playoff. You could. It could even be a playoff team, right? Um, mm. They would be looking for a defenseman. Because it's not going to be a team that's out of the playoffs that's
1: going to want Tyson Berry. What good is he to them? Yeah, expi- he's a rental at this point. I mean, he's a yeah. To me, to me, he's a one-year rental by the Oilers, and I expect them just to keep him for the one year. And what they do this summer, whether they get uh, tempted to re-sign the guy for term and and, you know, big raise based on, you know, at least how he started for his points, which are, you know, a big... Determinant of how uh, how big the contract is. Uh, t- to me, there's the two things I like most about the Tyson Berry contract are term and cap hit, and especially term. One year term. I thought that was perfect. Uh, anything more than that, he would been a major roadblock to Evan Bouchard. Uh, at this point, he's a he's a roadblock to Evan Bouchard, but one with a you know a finish line in sight, and uh bouchard's get sort of given a little bit more luxury of time to develop in the third pairing part of the team he may well be learning things directly from tyson berry given have things in common but basically they're 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 both competing for the same position which is kind of third pairing right defenseman uh, a little bit sheltered and first power play and right now barry's got the inside track on those things and i'd like to think I'd like to think at the end of the year, they walk away from Tyson Barry and they say, Evan, you're ready now. You take the job and, you know, you've got a, an entry-level contract and we're going to save about $3 million, or I guess $2 million after bonuses, potentially. But that's uh, that's an area where sort of natural progression, to me, is let Barry go to the market and uh, let Bouchard get promoted but See, in the summer.
0: When they signed Barry... Um, they didn't know necessarily that Evan Bouchard would be ready this year. Mm-hmm. But since they've signed Tyson Berry, they have more information. They, yeah. they have Ty- Evan Bouchard's outstanding play in Sweden in the second division, granted, but played very well. He came to camp in the best ever shape that they've ever seen him, You know, showing kind of a seriousness in the player that they hadn't maybe seen before in terms of conditioning. They've seen him now in NHL games where he's held his own at the very least and um, has generally... Look, I mean, he hasn't played as tough minutes as Tyson Berry, but he's I think his level of performance has been at even strength better than Tyson Berry's overall. Granted, tough facing tough competition is a is a major equalizer yeah. that, that that you have to take into consideration. But I don't think Evan Bouchard is a weaker even strength player right now than Tyson Berry mm-hmm. or is going to be a weaker power player. And so the problem with my Tyson Berry trade suggestion, obviously, is that he's he only makes sense as a rental to a good team. So the Oilers probably aren't going to be moving him out for that reason. Why would you move out a veteran who can help you win in the playoffs this year? Um, that's the goal for the Oilers this year. It should be the goal. They have a, they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year. Not a great chance, but they have a chance, and you should. I think they should go for it. So to get the forward Bruce. To get that forward, let's say that they want or the goalie, they're going to have to give up a young defenseman um, because it's going to be a team that's going to want someone who's going to be around for the next couple of years and can help them win next year, or the year after that, or the year after that, not Tyson Berry. So the guy I would trade isn't that enticing to most teams. So that leaves you with, I think, trading one of the top prospect defensemen, like Dmitry Samarukov comes to mind. He's injured right now. Uh, but um, that would be okay for a team looking to improve into the future. Um, or uh, Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, or William Loggison um, are the next uh, most likely assets because those are guys, unlike Adam Larson, say, or Tyson Berry. And I think the order should re sign Adam Larson. Um, but uh, Bear, Jones, or Loggison, I think, or say Sam Marukov because I don't think they're going to move Philip Broberry. Um, I think they would be foolish to do that um or what do Evan you think Bouchard, eh? or Evan Bouchard no yeah. so what would you what are your thoughts on that would you move any of those players if you if you could get an equivalent forward for one of those players would you do that trade Bruce yeah
1: uh, well, equivalent, I mean, ideally you get a guy that's in the NHL as opposed to, you know, working his way in. Which uh, I guess those, the, uh, I'm thinking Samarov, but I guess you could say Jones or, or Bear or Lagason are, are in the league. You could get a young forward back for them, but would he improve your top six? I mean, I don't know. You, you want somebody a little bit more established, I think. And... At the same time, I'm not sure how much you want to dump one of those guys for a rental. I'd rather have a guy with a year left on his contract uh, and a reasonable contract. Uh, uh, Depends on who, but I'm, I'm reluctant. I mean, depending on who, I mean, if they were able to get a star under control, star player under control, that's when you bring in... Uh, one of those one of those high end prospects into the conversation, but
0: what if what if Buffalo was in love with William Loggison and said we'll give you Taylor Hall for William Loggison for instance? Now I don't know. if... Now maybe that's maybe someone would say that's just crazy talk that they would say the Buffalo would could get more for Taylor Hall or or you know or you know that uh-huh. you know, like you're just you have your Oilers goggles on there, David. You're overrating William Luggeson, yep. uh as a player. Listen, someone could clearly. Someone would say that if you threw that out to Buffalo fans, but they might not know
1: William Loggison's game very well. Um, he'd, he'd be one component. You'd need to trade uh, multiple assets to get Taylor Hall, even at where he's at right now, which is, I think, still at one goal.
0: <laughs> I think he scored one last game. Oh, did he get he got got another one? Oh, he doubled yeah, he's his at
1: two goals. Yeah, he's
0: got a lot of assists
1: yeah, yeah he's, uh, I mean, he's still a dangerous attacker and he would certainly change the equation you'd have to give up plenty to get him but he would just be a rental and he would cause all sorts of salary cap issues you'd have to you'd have to
0: they'd have to take some scope
1: to trade somehow that uh dumped some salary the other way and who's out exactly
0: yeah well that's the that but that's the kind of trade that they might be looking at would be to give up and or Caleb Jones. I, I think if you're going to not bring back t- Tyson Berry, if that's the decision you make that he's your, your rental for this year, um, and, and I, th- I think that's probably the prudent decision myself, then you're going to need Ethan Barr next year, right? You can't trade him. So, so right now, so that then it comes down to Logason or Jones, moving one of those players, and 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 they probably have less trade value than I than I think they should have. Um, I really like William Lagesson and think he should be in the Oilers lineup right now. So I think he's a good enough defenseman to play a, an important role on a, on a good team, on a good NHL team right now. But I'm not sure that that would be the opinion of all of the, the, the market would rate him that way. Jones is rated very highly by a lot of Oilers fans. Um, I'm getting a you know he's going through one of these phases where he it's a, his his value. Which I would have placed it much higher earlier in the year isn't, isn't yeah. you know, I'd be a little bit more skeptical about trading for him right now. Um, I'd I'd want Laguson over Jones at this point if I was making a trade. What I, I would I do think they have to make a deal though, Bruce. Like or they don't have to, but it's they have too many lefty with Broberry coming in and um, you know they have Lenstrom. In the background, they have Nima line, and they've got lots of they've got lots of depth there. So, I think that they could make a trade and maybe get someone. Luke Luke Glendening. <laughs> what, he, he would probably be a lower round draft pick. I'm guessing to get Luke.
1: Uh, Luke I think he be, be he's probably a third anyway. Uh, he's a pretty useful player. He's a he's a he's a very good on face offs. And uh, he's, a, you know, a defensive-minded bottom sixer, but uh, but a pretty good one by, by everything I've heard. Now, I don't watch Detroit's every game or anything, but uh, uh, I, I do know that uh, Holland likes to talk to Steve Heisman. We found that out to our chagrin at last year's deadline. So it's, Detroit has useful assets that uh, might be on the market. I mean... How, you know, Holland's got the red phone right on his desk, but he can pick it up.
0: <laughs> no more Red Wings trades. Man, that a, a fantasy trade has bitten them hard, eh?
1: And the and the Mike Green trade, you know. And the Mike Green trade. Oh, I fourth didn't. round pick for two games of Mike Green. Yeah. That didn't end well. How's the fantasy you're doing this year?
0: So Bruce, would you who which defenseman would you trade? If you had to make a trade, like let's say you know you got it, they decide they want to to go move. What would you What would you do?
1: Yeah, uh, I think well of all those guys, um, uh, you know, Bear has the most name recognition, and you probably get the most for him. Uh, I, I think Jones could be, you know, you're playing with fire, man, when you're trading these guys that are. Just still starting to come around that uh, you could lose those trades pretty bad because I, I don't think they they hold the value elsewhere in the league that maybe we see in them and maybe it's that's our bias and and they just don't have that value, but I just don't think you get enough in return. I mean, if you packaged them with you know a 2022 20, second round pick, maybe you get a a decent uh, a decent return, but we've uh, got precious few draft choices. uh already, that trading more of them is, you know, I'm reluctant to get involved in that game, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, the owners are are working from a deficit already on draft picks, and So you wouldn't move any of those guys? I'm I'm very much more a status quo guy, I mean, unless... uh, Unless somehow you want to get into the bidding for uh, a guy like Matthias Eckholm out of Nashville, who's got this year and a year to go at 3.75, and that and team is struggling. And there's talk that he's, uh, I think Frank Saravalli of TSN had him on top of his trade bait list. And that's a guy who could solve the cleft bomb hole in a quick hurry. But what do you give up to get him? Cleft bomb? <laughs> Plus? I mean, I don't know. But uh, that's, I mean, that would be a significant upgrade where you get a t- tried-and-true top-four left-shot defenseman. Which right now, they've got Darnell Nurse, and then they got Chris Russell, and Caleb Jones. Chris Russell was a top-four. I don't think he is anymore. And the other guys, uh, I mean, Kukuk's gone now, and, and uh, both Jones and Laguson are struggling to prove they're NHL defensemen, let alone top-four. So... That, that's the sort of trade that would you know make a significant difference, but the price would be, I would think, um, if they choose to trade him, that Nashville will get a pretty penny for uh, Matias Ekholm.
0: I don't see the Oilers trading for a defenseman. Um, mm. It's that forward position. they got to find someone to play. They do have to find someone to play with Connor McDavid. They found someone in, yes, apulia Rv, but they need to find another player. And it could be Dominic Cahoon. So so in the next few weeks, they'll try out Tyler Ennis. They'll try out Dominic Cahoon. They might even try out Joachim Nygaard, who had some success last year in a really small sample size. Um, They'll try out all kinds of people. Cahoon may work, actually. Cahoon may be better with McDavid than he was with Dreisaitl. Because I don't see... uh, I just see McDavid creates so much. And he creates more than Dreisaitl does, frankly. And um, because he's creating so much, the other guys have to do a little bit less. And Cahoon's kind of a guy that might be suited with a little bit less. Like, just get the puck, don't make a mistake, move it to McDavid, and when you get it, do the right thing. And and I can see Cahoon doing that. And he's also responsible defensively, I believe, generally speaking. So he might be a a decent fit. And and so the need to, to get someone might diminish and then we of course we have Dylan Holloway who I'm guessing is likely to be signed and could be with the Oilers now it's a stretch to think he'd be on the top line he's it's it's more likely he would be on the third line as an energy winger you know let's say with Kara and Archibald that might really work Um, replacing Tyler Ennis on that line I could see that that's the most likely that's a better bet for for Dylan Holloway so We'll know with Cahoon if Cahoon doesn't work out and Ennis doesn't really work out on the top line, then you then you then you think seriously. I think about that left wing spot and making a move and trading a defenseman defenseman prospect for for that kind of um, really good player that could could fit in there on McDavid's line. And again, it doesn't have to be the Taylor Hall category player because Taylor Hall loves that puck. As well, and I'm not sure he's a great fit with McDavid. Some people think he would be. I, I actually don't think he would necessarily be the right fit.
1: Um, well, you we know put that 75-minute sample that says that they had uh, good possession numbers together, but uh, it was a 75-minute sample, so we know.
0: It. I never saw much magic but chemistry or magic between the two, it, it, as I recall from that from that time together. I mean, these are two really good players, so individually, you'd expect them to have good possession numbers. Period. So that's not necessarily.
1: McClellan well, deliberately sweet. put him on different lines and he had Hull with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins at that, at that time was a, sort of the best fit and uh, McDavid on a different line. Well, the idea of Hull with uh, Dreisaitl is kind of appealing because they were good together.
0: They but, were um, good together. Bruce. That's that's that would be more of a fit, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, so so it could be like a second rung kind of pickup. Like you know, we were, we recall at one point Pittsburgh traded for Chris Kunitz, you know, to fit in with with uh, Sidney Crosby. So that's the kind of player that I'm looking to, to, in terms of someone who could fit with McDavid, a veteran player who's still got some game, who's a very smart KG two way player and really good without the puck. That's what you need with Connor McDavid is a is a player to fit in that you don't with Pullyarv and McDavid. You've got guys who are good with the puck. You need a guy who's really smart without the puck. Cahoon is really smart, I think, without the puck. I, I, I've known. I think he's a kind of a glue player in, in his own way, and he's not a bad player. and He might fit in just fine. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But if he doesn't, then someone else. Like find someone else similar to that. And uh, so that I don't think you have to give up a ton to get that player. It's not going to be a, a super high price at the deadline. It's just being really smart about identifying that player. So I, I still hold out some hope. Of course, Holloway will magically uh, work his way up to that top line by the end.
1: I keep having when I when I see Holloway's game, he he gives me little flashes of Asa um, Uh Not so much for you know the pestiferous nature and the and the and the talking that uh, Tikanen was famous for, but just more of the style of play of. Uh, you know, taking a beeline to the puck, being physically aggressive, and having some skill with the puck on the stick, and, and you know, going to the net, and, and uh, uh, you know, looking after some of the details, some of the dirty work on his line. And, I mean, I also have visions of a 20-year-old S. Tekken playing in the Stanley Cup Finals and making his NHL debut against Philadelphia Flyers in 1985. That's not going to happen, I, you know, I mean, for a number of reasons. But, I mean... It, I don't think he's going to arrive fully formed as a 20, because he's still 19, even Holloway, year old. But um, I think he's pretty close. But by the time uh, their college season ends, uh, there'll be quarantine, uh, I do think the play is probably to, to it, it, assuming he signs, and I think there's a better than even chance that he will at that point. Uh, but I think Bakersfield is still the play. And, I, you know, if he goes there and knocks it out of the park, then but the clock's ticking the whole time. There's always that looming quarantine unless that gets resolved somehow in the coming months. Cahoon's back
0: on the ice, by the way, in the top six. Okay. In, in a white sweater today. And Mike Smith's in the starter's net. No surprise there. They're gonna ride Mike Smith. Uh
1: Yeah, I, I don't entirely sure get ever, all of that, frankly, David, with the Yeah, with I hear you the goalies, So don't good. overuse
0: don't overuse the your 38 year old goalie because if you gets if he gets injured we've already seen how that's going to play out so and then they will need to make a trade but um
1: look well, at yeah. Alex Staylock. I mean they're better better and he's not ready yet but at least they're better positioned than they were when Smith went down the day after they lost uh Forsberg on waivers
0: <laughs> the other um, thing with Holloway coming in Bruce like the whole third line center thing and he's been killing it on the face-off, Dot. And, um, you know, is he going to be as ready as Esa Tikkanen when Tikkanen came in? I, I It's possible. Like, they're, they're, they're not that, you know, there's a lot of similar similarities there. So, but um, here's here's my dark horse candidate for a winger for McDavid. Ryan Getzlaff.
1: Okay.
0: Um, veteran player. I don't know what the cost would be, but it wouldn't be a first-round draft pick, I don't believe. So... Mm. Getzlaff this year has two goals and seven assists in nine points in 21 games. He's minus three. Um, maybe he's done. Like, maybe maybe that's like bringing in James Neal. Like, like a, but Getzlaff is a I, – I think he's the kind of player, and I still put Neal in this category, who can crank it up in the playoffs. I think we'll see – when the playoffs come, I think we're going to see a James Neal in the lineup and, and a valuable contributor on the fourth line. Um but gets laugh. I wonder if he would have enough in his tank, Bruce, to still help in that role that I'm talking about on a top line, um, filling in, maybe doing a lot of the heavy lifting for McDavid in the defensive end, and um, being that kind of glue player with Pulleyarvi and McDavid on a top line. So that's my dark horse wild card candidate for for a trade for the Chris to fill the Chris Kunitz role. Uh, This playoff season for Connor McDavid
1: Yeah well I got a big problem With Ryan Getzlaff uh, Not as a player but as a contract contract, 8.25 million dollar cap hit So how long Retained at the end of this year But even if they retained half of it You still got to do Something to bring in How are you going to ship out 4 million to, uh, To Anaheim I mean you're gonna trade him Chris Russell. I mean that's the sort of they have few options. Nobody's gonna take James Neal with the three years, two years he's got left.
0: Well maybe you do trade him Chris Russell or um yeah. I think there's ways to make to be clever with the money. I mean Vegas found a f- way to fit in Robin Leonard, right? So mm. so there are ways to do these deals. And I'm not saying you're right, like obviously the cap hit is a big issue. You have to work out the price you're going to pay. Make it make trade it Trade Adam
1: Larson, you know, but you don't want to do that, and no. I don't want to do it either, right? He's half of the money that Ryan Getzlaf is. If they retained half, that would be equal. I'm not doing that trade.
0: You're going to have to give up something if you mm-hmm. if you're going to do that trade, yep. and um, there's there's you have to give up something useful for Anaheim, like you know, the, the equivalent of a second round draft pick to get the guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's and soon to be 36 years old, and he's, uh, you know, got lots of mileage. Do you think you'd get a second-round pick? You'd have to work out the money situation. Well, I'd say you could work out when the money you do, situation. When you do, well, I think how you work out the money situation depends then on what you give up to get him. Yeah, fair enough. So, righty. Bruce,
0: anything else? Any other final thoughts on the trade? It sounds like you're kind of in the camp of hold, hold them. That's what I'm getting from you. I'm, hold I'm you a lower strong. risk hold guy. Them five, five.
1: And la- last year's deadline kind of soured me. I mean, they traded four future draft picks, and they got you know Tyler Ennis, uh, and they had to re-sign, and they did so, you know, as a, a marginally useful player, but not a game-changer. And I got two guys that, um, that didn't make any impact at all and are already gone from the organization. And, I mean, if you get, I guess if you trade for a rental, like, you know, if instead of asking to see you, they got in Tyler Toffoli like the Canucks did for roughly similar um, investment, and they only got him for the rest of the season, but he was quite helpful to them in the in that last part of the season and in the playoffs where Asnosio just went completely uh, flat here just wasn't able to score and that was really what he was brought in to do so uh, now I I think that having made that investment of future assets last year it weakens their ability to do that this year because they're still paying that price in the upcoming draft so I'm more of a lacy fair and Let's see what, where we go with the team we got. Deal with gold goaltending in the summer. See where Cleft bombs out at, at the summer, and uh, to try and resolve that situation one, one way or the other. And uh, you know what? I, I think they got some pretty good. Uh, uh, they got some pretty good things going on here. Or they did have before Toronto came to town, that uh, that makes them a competitive team. How
0: about it. Here's another one for you, Bruce. You're going to like this one, Dustin Brown.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's scoring goals. He's scoring goals out there in L.A. still. And yeah, he's, wow. he, I mean They're going to make the playoffs, though, aren't they? They're looking pretty good, I think. I, yeah. I, I don't follow those standings, honestly, as close as I do the uh, Canadian one. But they are in sixth place, 9, 8, and 4. But they're in that right in the battle with Arizona, Minnesota, uh, for fourth place in the in the West, but Honda West. Yeah. That,
0: Dustin Brown, Bruce. Uh yeah, that would
1: uh that would take a lot of getting used to, David.
0: <laughs> I think I could get used to it fast if he can still play hockey.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, 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 do think that there, so again, we'll, we'll see what Kahoon does. And if that doesn't work, then you go to, we'll, you know, we'll come back to this in a few weeks, obviously, and, and have another such discussion.
1: Now, yeah, Yuri's day is still what, uh, five, almost six weeks off, right? Five and a half weeks from now. That's right. So we got, uh, lots to do. Although there's some talk that teams might make their move early just because of the quarantine and so on. If you make a trade on April 12th and you wait until the 26th before the guy can play for you, that's getting mighty late in the season. I mean, if you're home and cooled out in a playoff spot, you can do that. But I'm not getting the impression the Oilers are going to be there either.
0: So the Oilers' defense pairings, Bruce, are Nurse, Barry, Loggison, Larson, Jones, Bear with Russell and Bouchard on the outside looking in. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I would play Bouchard ahead of Bear at this point. I think on merit, Bouchard's done better than Ethan Bear this year, and -hmm. they're both young defensemen. I don't see why Ethan Bear is ahead of Evan Bouchard, uh, honestly. Like I don't see him having any. um, Giving him a chance to bounce back. That's what they're doing, so we can think with the coach, and that's what he's thinking. And you know, but I.
1: The way they do with Mike Smith and not with Mikko Koskinen.
0: I just think you go with talent. You bet on talent, and um, that's why I would be betting on Evan Bouchard slightly. Ahead of Bear right now, and um, we'll see what. Uh, mm. See no no forward lines yet, as far as I can tell. All right, Bruce. Lessons learned from the Leafs oh. losses. Yeah. The three losses to the Leafs. What are you taking away?
1: Well, on the game day, or no, the game night after the first beating of the three. I led my po- uh, grades post with objects in first place are further than they appear. And uh, they're even further than that after three successive beatdowns. It's now a 10 point gap between Toronto and, and Edmonton. And I'd say first, first place is, it's not in the rear view. It's, it's that cloud of dust that's receding into the far distance in front. Uh, the orders are really exposed on a number of levels. It was so strange, like the team was firing on all cylinders for the better part of a month before that and it was like everything came apart at the seams and and I I was discouraged by uh, sort of the lack of pushback and and almost that they were in the inevitability of the the third loss in particular that, you know, just as soon as something went against them, they were done. And they got to get past that, and they got to get past it fast. Uh, it's frustrating to me. I've been frustrated for years at how the Oilers roll out the welcome mat for visiting teams in their home arenas, dating back to uh, uh, you know the old Coliseum. But uh, this year, the Oilers are six-eight and zero at Rogers Place, eight-three and zero on the road. Now, how's that? And also that when they score first at home six, six times, they won all six games. When they didn't score first at home eight times, they lost all eight games. So being ready for the, and they were ready for the starts of those games. But as soon as that first goal went in, boom, it seemed like they knew that was that. I don't know. It, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it put them back in the middle of the pack. I mean, seriously, in the standings now, they're, they're, four points ahead of Calgary with Calgary having one game in hand. So if the Flames are able to win the game tomorrow night, they're within you know, they, they just need to win the game in hand. And they're tied. That's a fifth place team. Like, Edmonton had a nice little cushion here a week ago, and it's basically gone. And nights like last night when Winnipeg and Montreal play a three-point game while Calgary and Vancouver both win their games against the first and last place teams, and all of a sudden the standings are that much tighter. It's, they're so my takeaway is they got to get their crap together fast, and we'll have we'll see tomorrow if they got what it takes to bounce back from these from this trio of of uh, basically crushing defeats. Like that was that was as discouraging uh, a set of games that uh, uh, we've had to experience in quite some time. Frankly,
0: I'm a little less discouraged than you are by those games, Bruce. Um, the order is going into those games. Uh, we're getting 13 grade A chances for every 10 grade A chances that the other team was getting, or 10 and a half maybe. It's a mm-hmm. significant margin for the Edmonton Oilers. They're, they're a good team. Um, I think, though, that it's fair to say that Toronto was better than the Oilers at every aspect, every single aspect of the game. And um, so this is, in, in, starting with skill level, like the most obvious thing, tro- Toronto was more able to make passes, more able to make good passes, we're able to make good decisions with the puck. This is why I think it's it, it, it's an imperative for Tippett to work in Evan Bouchard on defense. He is your best puck-moving defenseman. Yes, he's young. There's going to be some mistakes. You, you, you've got to play him. You've got to build him up, and you've got to figure out a way to do that. Now, he's been, Tippett's to give Tippett credit. He's been very good at bringing along young players on this team. There's been a number of young players, Yamamoto, Pouliu Arvi, uh, Bear jones who have all done well with him as coach so i think that will happen but let's see it happen it's and sitting him in games this will be three out of the last four i don't see that as a as a big part of the plan so we at the same time we see a coach who's got a bit of a sweet tooth for veteran players i'm glad lageson is going in for for chris russell i think william lageson's a a a significantly better player right now than chris russell is so um Again, this is the coach making a good decision, but I'd, I'd like to see him get Bouchard in there.
1: Um, well, he's given rope to all, to all three of Bear, Jones, and Lagerson, and it's pretty tough to get them all four in, in there, the young guys at the same time. So yeah. I mean, it's not like he's, he's sitting out uh, Bouchard so that he can get Chris Russell in the lineup, for example.
0: No, it's Tyson Barry essentially really yeah. is taking a wow. spot if we're if we're completely mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. So I think we need to, to beat the Leafs, Bruce, you're gonna need a healthy drive We didn't have a healthy drive mm-hmm. um, in in that series. We're gonna need one. We, you know, we the Leon Dry that played so well in the last half of last year, the Leon Dry Siddle played so well against the Anaheim ducks. We're gonna need the dynamite line together. We're gonna need the sum of the really great players on the Edmontoniers to be to be greater than their parts. So that that's for the both the, the dynamite line and for McDavid's line. They, they have to solve McDavid's line. They can't have this where the sum is less than the parts. So they really need to think hard about what what it's, what's going to work there and, and work on the second line. So I think Cahoon might be the answer. We'll see. Um, but I, that's another thing that has to get going. You're going to have to you're going to have to be um, I mean, I think actually, the bottom. I think they're close to figuring out their thir- their third and fourth lines, Bruce. Mm-hmm.
1: They're,
0: so they're not that far in a lot of ways um, from having that work. Dylan Holloway might be a really key component though. Come playoff time, the next time we face them on the th- on the third line. Let's say you had a third line of Holloway, Kara, and Archibald. That comes close to matching maybe the power the speed and the and the skill that the the Leafs had on their third line because you you have to have an answer for that you're not going to you're not going to compete with that team unless you've got three lines that are really going so if Holloway isn't on your top line you know I like Tyler Ennis but Tyler Ennis is is this year Bruce he's the forward most likely to make a defensive mistake not to cover someone to lose a battle um he, he adds a lot on the attack, but he, everything he gives you on the attack, he gives up in his own end so far this year. And I'm not convinced that he's he's going to be the answer there to beat the Leafs in the playoffs. There, Those guys are all big on their third line. Um, Engbal, Mikheyev, and is it Hyman? Yeah. Those are big, fast players. Can Anas compete with that? You know, Archibald's hanging in there because he's, he's so rugged, but... I think it's more likely that Holloway is going to be able to, to have an impact. So that's another thing that has to be in place, is you got to start to meet that size and speed of the of the Leafs' bottom lines. And then on the fourth line, I think you're, you know, between the rest of the players that the Oilers have, including Cassian, Haas, Chason, Neil, there's enough players there, interesting players, both Cassian and Haas can both skate, that I think you'll be able to meet their fourth line challenge as well. So I'm not pessimistic about those bottom lines competing against the Leafs bottom lines.
1: Now, hopefully when Cassian comes back, he'll come back with a burr in his saddle and, and be Cassian, you know. I mean, he's uh, he's been, a, frankly, a disappointment since the minute he signed that contract. And, uh, and you know, was, he, he was very ho-hum down the stretch last year and he was poor in the play-ins and... This series he just didn't get a lot done, and then when he tried to get himself going by, by getting in that fight. He goes and breaks his hand, right, or what, whatever he did. But Oilers need the rambunctious Cassian, or, you know, at least some some semblance of that. And, and he could really change the mix uh, down there a little bit. Uh, when it comes to Toronto, I mean, you talk about how much better they were with the puck. I was impressed with how much better they were without the puck. Yeah, how their forwards were how 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 their forwards were absolutely committed on the back check, and when the Oilers got the puck and started to move north with it, they had to always watch for the, you know, the guy on their tail that was uh, coming back to strip it from them, and they just didn't have much room or time to operate. And I'm not sure the Oilers, you know, to play with that kind of defensive commitment as a team. Uh, requires a little bit of a or a lot of a reset from what we saw in, in those games. And before that, they were they were pretty good, but not at that level. That Toronto showed four lines deep of guys, uh, you know, busting their hump uh, defensively. I mean, uh, Jonathan Willis pointed out that Mitch Marner of Toronto uh, has three block shots in in one of the games, which was more than all of the Oilers combined in the three game. All the orders forwards combined in the three games. And so, I mean, that's a first line player uh, showing defensive commitment. And, you know, that's the, the orders. I mean, those top lines, uh, they're, they're two way game. It kind of comes and goes. And and I'd sure like to see a sign that it's going to come and stay for a while.
0: Well, apparently, Rashad's reporting the lines are RnH McDavid and Pulley Arvey. Cahoon drives settle in Yamamoto. So if it's if it's not working, stick with it. Seems to be the uh, the idea for Dave Tippett. I, you know, I I've made my point. That, that leaves times. me cold, David. I got to say, it really does, Bruce. It's he's I don't know. I, he's just I don't know what the deal is there. I mm-hmm. can't figure out Th- something those going lines on behind
1: the scenes that we are not privy to. But uh, that just uh, from a competitive standpoint. It just seems bizarre to me that uh, that uh, I mean, Nugent Hopkins' stats are so much better. You wrote about some of this in your post the other day, and I looked at it a different way. And I might mention it in my post game day post tomorrow. But Nugent Hopkins' stats are vastly superior with Striceidle okay. than with McDavid over these past two years. But.
0: Yeah, Bruce, it's not a it's not a good call. And maybe, maybe the, the players are involved in this, you know, like, you know. That's what I'm
1: thinking.
0: Yeah, that's what everybody's thinking, right? Like, we, but we can't, we, we don't know that. So, we can only speculate. Because it doesn't seem to make sense on the face of it. There doesn't seem to be any other explanation for it. Because the, the numbers are so clear that the, that these, this, this group of, this particular mix doesn't maximize the offensive or defensive output of any of these players. Uh, not even McDavid. So, mm. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. But uh, so it is, so it is. Like you see, you don't even know. Like you, you're preventing yourself from having some knowledge about whether Cahoon is a good fit with McDavid, right? This is, this is something that they don't know, and it's something they should find out. Now yeah. seems like a good time, and uh, before the trading deadline, you got, you got some games here. So why not do that? That, that, that doesn't make any sense to me, Bruce. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs>
1: Don't like it. Oh, it Alrighty Big game tomorrow against Daryl Sutter And the Calgary Flames They'll be coming to town a little pumped I would imagine After a big win last night And an even bigger coach Change To uh, old uh, well known uh, Opponent Daryl Sutter caused the orders grief When he was Cal- in Calgary And more grief when he was in Los Angeles so that uh, that changes the equation a little bit.
0: Here are the lines, RNH, McDavid, Puglia-Yarvey, Cahoon, Sidle, Yamamoto, Shore, Kara and Archibald, Neil, Haas and Chason. So, okay, I'll start out First with what I like. I really good. like the fourth line, Neil, Haas and Chason. I think that's a fourth line that can work. Mm. Uh, they got the speed of Haas and the two big Bobby clobbers on the wing who can still crank it up in limited minutes. Chason's excellent defensively. Um, such a conscientious player. I'm a, mm-hmm. uh, quite a fan of his. Shore in for Ennis. Listen, Tyler Ennis's defensive mistakes are real. They're ongoing. They're at a level. They're at a tourist kind of level. So he, he there's nothing physical stopping him from playing defense. He's got to make. He's go, he's one of the players on this team that has to make that commitment. And I know Mark Specter gets in a lot of hell. Uh, including on Oilers now for suggesting that McDavid and Drysaddle need to crank it up defensively, but that's the truth. I mean, I saw Austin. The defining moment of that series to me was the first, first, uh, first shift of the Dynamite line in the third game. They they almost score, and you know Rnh is putting it kind of half shot, half pass to Drysaddle uh, at the in the crease. And who fishes? Who's down there in the crease fishing the puck out? Austin Matthews. You know, he, he was Mr. there. Salke himself. He was there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he was there, Bruce. And 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 sometimes Drysdale and McDavid haven't been there. And in, in that spot, in the right time, in the right moment, to make that play in the defensive slot. So all of the forwards have yeah, well, we to crank it up on defense. Ennis is one of them. He's paying the price for it right now for his defensive play. So put in, sure. I don't think, like I think, Tyler Ennis is significantly better, obviously, than Devin Shore on the attack, but I can see why they're making that move if it's to send a message. I agree with the message.
1: Was Ennis on the ice today, or was uh, yes. Shore? Yeah, he was, and, and Shore was in a spot, eh? Interesting.
0: Ennis, Russell, and Terrence. I would have put Neagard in uh, as opposed to, Yoakam Niegard, as opposed to Devin Shore, but I mean, I don't, I'm not going to quibble. I don't mind Devin Shore as a winger. I don't think he can play center because I don't think he he reads the game well enough defensively to play center, so.
1: Ennis, Turris, and Patrick Russell, and no, is knee guard out there at all? Knee guard rotating on fifth line. Oh, wow. Rotating on fifth line is never a good place to be. (laughs) It is not.
0: I like the player, Bruce, and I would have him, I Mm wouldn't be playing him right now, again, ahead of of Shore. So, um, there we are. That's what the
1: lines are. All right, well, see what happens. uh,
0: All right. Let's leave it there then.
1: Uh, yeah, well, thought? just for, I do have a final thought, and my final thought is condolences to the Gretzky family uh, and to frankly the country. that's lost a uh, uh, a great icon of hockey daddery and, uh, and uh, Walter Gretzky, who uh, who showed us all how how it's done and and pushing but not over pushing his kid. And uh, he uh, he um, he's going to be missed. My my, uh, my overriding memory of Walter Gretzky is actually a quote from Wayne uh, in 1980 when he lost on the tiebreaker the Art Ross Trophy to uh, to Marcel Dion because Dion had two more goals and and Wayne had two more assists and. Nineteen years old, disappointed. Wayne Gretzky made a classy statement of, simply, my dad always taught me an assist is as good as a goal, which is a, a, a quote that resonates in more than just hockey. And you know, it's about teamwork and you know, getting it, getting the job done collectively. And uh, it, it uh, you know, kind of, kind of uh, encapsulates. Wally, as he became to know later in life, and uh, had the opportunity to shake his hand a couple of times, and uh, just a a class act, uh, and uh, uh, very proud, and every reason to be very proud, hockey dad, and, and, uh, you know, ordinary, everyday, hard-working, you know, man of the people, basically, is how I would uh, describe Walter, and he will be missed
0: without walter gretzky's mentorship of his son um there we don't get the 1980s era of hockey i don't think bruce we don't get that incredible fast-flowing free game that gretzky drove sing you know he drove it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and he changed hockey history with his style of play and the offensive dominance that he brought to the Edmonton Oilers. you know and, and there's A few people who deserve credit for that gretzky himself of course top of the list glenn Sather, who had freed up gretzky to to play his game didn't try to change his game let him go for it and walter you know as walter is the one who who was working with his son to think about hockey in a different way and, and to train to you know not to you know to get out of the narrow confines of canadian hockey tactics of that time and to play a revolutionary game Attacking game, so Walter. We just owe Walter Gretzky
1: that great era of hockey. So um, I
0: hold him in the highest
1: of esteem. Don't go where the puck has been; go where it's going to be. I think that's Walter's quote. (laughs) Yes, it is not
0: Wayne's quote.
1: It's always attributed to Wayne. Oh, Wayne attributes it to
0: Walter. Wayne, but Wayne gives his dad credit. But it's it's now in the the popular imagination. And Bruce, my theory about that is three hundred years from now. No one may remember Wayne Gretzky, but people will still remember that, may still remember that phrase and still use that phrase as a way to talk about, um, a way of thinking about about the world and about life. Uh, it, it, it may be the most lasting contribution uh, and of Wayne Gretzky to the world and Walter Gretzky. So, all right, Bruce, thanks for talking today.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone.